thing. Might they be both good, bad, and ugly? Oh, they are definitely going to be good, bad, and ugly. <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself, Andrew. I am. <laughs> Welcome to The Launch Sequence, your comedy podcast about adulting, millennials, and the life of an ex-college student. I'm Andrew Olson, and I'm joined by my co-host, Micah Anthony. Good morning, afternoon, evening, ungodly hour of the night, or whenever you are listening to this podcast. With vacations behind us, we're glad to be moving back into our regular recording schedule for the rest of the summer. On this episode of the podcast, we successfully bridge the generational divide, solve problems facing millennials, and reference movies that came out 10 years ago. Before we get into the meat of the show, it's time for the 10-second check-in. Micah, because social media has conditioned us with shorter attention spans, you only have 10 seconds to tell me about your week. Ready? Set? Go. So I spend a lot of time working. Um, I'm working as a teacher, and that takes a lot of work and a lot of energy. I also have, uh, I'm working on building up my social circle here at home. And uh, All right, Andrew, because the universe is vast and life is fleeting, you only have 10 seconds to tell me about your week. Ready? Go. Well, I just got back from France trip with the family, which was quite lovely. It was celebrating my brother's graduation. Um, I'm currently doing job search here, which means a lot of drop-down menus and stop. filling up my resume 50 times. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> All right. I've never seen the movie Freaky Friday, but a quick scan of the Wikipedia page tells me that it's about a mother and daughter switching bodies. Through that experience, they come to accept their differences and appreciate their similarities. Uh, Sorry, spoilers for a movie that came out in 2003. So we asked our listeners what adults waking up as the younger generation would need to know. Well, pull out a notepad and your best back-in-my-day voice and prepare for a segment we're calling Freaky Friday 2018. So one of the first things that uh, people were talking about uh was the the different culture of different social media sites. andrew what do you think about that uh facebook is your political beliefs uh, your grandmother's photos and your job uh coupon links also like announcements of life events like you know graduation engagement getting married we're gonna have a kid etc uh, also, Facebook Messenger is used as a as a group chat thing for a lot of young people. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, Instagram. Um, pictures of your avocado toast. Um, also, your cat. Uh, occasionally, your significant other. And if you're really famous and hip with the kids, also your job. Yeah. Pretty good. People tend to use Instagram more for their own uh, personal friend group as kind of a, hey, yo, this is what my day looks like. Um, Met my friend. Isn't life awesome? Yeah. Snapchat, Andrew. It was big in middle school. I'm not sure if it's still big. Send pictures of you making silly faces to your friend. Main, maintain your Snapchat streak with your best friend so that you can announce to the world that you've snapped each other for 700 days straight or something like that. Twitter. 
<clears throat> if you're a journalist, uh, you follow the president and celebrities. If you're a content creator, that's where you engage with your fans. Uh, if you're egomaniacal, that's where you post all about your life and expect people to follow you. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. I miss when Twitter was limited to 140 characters because it forced people to think about like the word. It forced people to be concise, and I really liked that. All right, Micah. How do people use Tumblr? Tumblr is the place you go for incredibly specific content. So if you want to uh, see people draw fan art of uh, Disney characters in uh, 1920s Paris, you find that on Tumblr. Um, If you want a blog about uh, Artemis Fowl and uh, musicals from the 1990s onward, you will find it on Tumblr. Um, it's also, with, with Twitter, I think, being uh, uh, second, it's probably the most politically liberal digital space that, that has any real significance in people's lives. Uh, all right, Reddit. Reddit, um, I, I, I never got into Reddit, like using it regularly, uh, as I understand, it's it's a pretty bifurcated space because um, it's organized in a series of subreddits. So you follow like subreddits based on topics you're interested in, um, and some of those can be really toxic and and not fun online places. And and some of them, as I understand, are are very wholesome and uplifting. Um, but uh, the, the draw of Reddit, as people have recommended it to me, is that the community upvotes on on things they like so the stuff that the most people like ends up at the top of your feed so it it's curated so that you you see the stuff that people generally agree is the best content uh, specific communities from gaming to board games or yeah, uh, yeah. science will also have specific reddits where um you can find kind of up-to-date news um guides, helpful tips. I'm sure there's a how to fix washing machines Reddit. There's a Reddit for everything. It bills itself as what, the front page of the internet or something like that? Yeah, I think so. Well, world word of advice from our friend uh, and listener Jordan. The world is a lot larger than when uh, our parents' generation were younger um, in that the in- internet uh, has given individuals like unlimited access to some extent of all of the information that humanity has ever recorded. Uh, And that really changes how we experience the world and the amount of um, kinship or connectivity or emotional weight we put on events, people, places, issues that aren't in my immediate geographic location but are in my location in the curated areas of cyberspace that I consistently go to. Yeah, um, one of the things that I say rather frequently especially true in this day and age information is cheap um it's what you do with that information that has value um we we can access any information we want so the question then becomes how do you analyze that information what do you do with it now that you have it and how you filter it is is also an increasingly important question yes absolutely all right micah what is the correct usage of hashtags so there's, there's really two ways you use hashtags, right? Um, there's the original use. Uh, hashtags were created as a way of sorting 
content on the internet. Um, so hashtags are, are a searchable way you can find content all related to the same thing. So for example, someone who posts cooking tips online can tag them using, you know, hashtag cooking tips or something like that. And then someone looking for cooking tips can search for that hashtag and see all of the posts with that hashtag. Um, So it's a way of making uh, sorted, searchable content on the internet. Then there's another way uh, of using the hashtag to provide more information about the emotion or like an additional, sometimes absurd, sometimes joking twist on what was said before. So someone might um, post a a beach picture, right, Uh, of a nice view and Mm -hmm. and start with, you know, hashtag at the beach, hashtag summer fun, and then, you know, uh, keep going with hashtag sand everywhere, hashtag seagulls attacking my lunch, hashtag so sunburned I don't think I have any skin left Um, in in a list that gets you know, increasingly uh, an absurd length. And those aren't intended to be searched to, to mark content. Those are intended to be read in, in a more joking manner. Yes, and, and if it's effectively either, to, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think you got it. It's either to say this post is part of a longer conversation on the internet about, you know, hashtag 2018 election or, you know, hashtag, you know, adulting victories or it could be I'm trying to tag emotional content or or explain things that aren't explicit from the sentence that I think you should know because it adds new light to the sentence above. Reread previous sentence with in light of information included in hashtag. Here's one. Uh, we are aware that social media is messing with our heads. We, we know that's happening. You don't always need to tell us. Yeah, I think there's actually a, a pretty large awareness amongst young people. We've read the research too um, that you know it's pretty seriously affecting our uh, mental health. We've are aware that as a generation, there's uh, a rise in depression and, and isolation. Um, we still choose to engage with it partially because it's so enmeshed with the social infrastructure of our lives. Um, you know, from, as we've said before, from job searching, from, you know, getting content from a way to broadcast or almost a social requirement to broadcast certain life events. Um, so I think one thing that parents or people who, if you, if you woke up as a young adult, you just be aware that we're, we're aware of it and we want to partner with people in doing this better. Uh, we're not sold on the internet as, as a wholehearted concept. So rather than uh, preach to us about why this is uh, destroying us, think about how we could use it better. Because it's here to stay. But uh, we want to use it better, and, and you want us to use it better as well. All right. A couple of tips from uh, my friend Luke. Um, they, them, and their are increasingly used as singular pronouns um, as it becomes more socially acceptable, particularly among younger groups of people, um, for for individuals to explore their gender identity. Also, uh, it's becoming less common for he or him to be the default singular pronoun when uh, the gender of someone is not known. 
So rather than saying he when you don't know the gender of, of an individual, you could say they and mean it in a singular, uh, as a singular pronoun. Then uh, a second piece of advice, uh, if the joke you're about, if you think you're about to make a funny joke that references an oppressed group, probably don't. One way to think about uh, sensitivity to humor nowadays is as the vulnerability of a group goes up, so should your sensitivity uh, or in, in the same way, as the social power of a group um, goes down, your sensitivity about talking in generalizations uh, about that group um, should also go up. That's that's the new kind of baseline social expectation. Um, whether or not you personally think this is being too politically correct, uh, just know that that's how young people generally think or talk nowadays. Um, so it's not that we're trying to be pretentious. It's just this is the water we're swimming in it. Yeah, the, the cultural concept of what is vulgar is changing to be less towards certain words or certain concepts that are unacceptable for public discourse and more towards is this respecting uh, groups that have been historically oppressed or, or are currently experiencing some form of discrimination. So, Andrew, uh, here's a question. What emojis should people avoid because they might have alternate or or secret meanings? Since this is a a family podcast, we won't be going into detail about why some of the following may be um, not a great idea to use uh, generally. First off, uh, eggplants and peaches should be avoided. Don't use the winky face emoji unless it's your significant other or you really are trying to be obviously flirtatious. In general, one way to have a test is, how could a middle school boy make this not okay? Yeah. I saw on Twitter the other day that uh, if you need a macaron emoji, the the French sandwich cookie, um, apparently the curling stone emoji, if you just remove the handle, looks exactly like a macaron. So you can use that one instead of eggplant, peach, winky face. Um the the smiley face emoji or the kind of tongue out one are generally pretty safe if you're trying to add um, emotional uh, tags to the content. Also, angry face is pretty much fine. Uh, uh, as with all languages, uh, emojis are developing, and so there may be others out there uh, that come up in the next few years. But keep listening to the podcast, and we'll uh, we'll clue you in on those. Micah, what is Venmo, and why does everyone keep asking if I have it? Venmo is an incredibly convenient way of of paying your friends money without needing to have cash on hand. Um, uh, Younger generations are are increasingly carrying less cash and and using uh, using forms of digital currency. Um, so, so Venmo is an app. Um, you connect it to your bank account, and then you can use it to send and receive money. Um, it's really convenient for like splitting the check with your friends after a meal. Um, one person pays, and then everyone else can can Venmo them uh, the the proper amount. Um, so, so it's a way of of sending and receiving money without needing to carry cash. Well, Micah, we've been graduates for eight weeks now, which means uh, I think we're definitely qualified to talk about the complexities of young adult life after college. Oh, definitely. Some of it's great, uh, some of it's not, but whatever it is, we are right in the middle of it. 
So we thought we'd share with you the pros and cons of the post-college experience. Welcome to a segment we're calling The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. All right, Micah. What is the good, bad, and ugly of summer jobs or internship? Um, good. I make money. Um, bad, uh, sometimes I'm exhausted. Ugly, sometimes I have to teach a class of second graders and they're useless. <laughs> my, my summer job is, is teach it. I teach some summer classes. Uh, Andrew, good, bad, and ugly of summer jobs and internships. Uh, the good, uh, I'm getting experience. The bad, I'm often paid with experience in an internship. Uh, the ugly, being the bottom of the food chain is never fun, and there is no paycheck to compensate. All right, Micah, since we uh, are both doing the classic rebound, uh, boomerang uh, college graduate thing, what's the good, bad, and ugly <laughs> of living with your parents? Good. I don't always have to pay for my own food, and sometimes I can get my relatives to do some laundry for me. The bad... <laughs> uh, Sometimes uh, my relatives do laundry for me, which is which is not a not a good thing. I don't think, uh, especially to announce on a podcast that people listen to. Mm, okay, uh, and the ugly is I have been I've spent the last four years uh, growing and and becoming an individual in a, a different geographic location, and now I'm back, and and that relationship is is complicated it's complicated yeah all right andrew good bad and ugly of living with your parents all right the good is my mother is an excellent cook she the is bad is <laughs> uh, it's it's hard driving with uh, other people's schedules after setting your own for a long time um the ugly you suddenly realize uh, what a slob you've become, um, particularly when your mother is very tidy, and uh, there's no one to blame for the mess in your room except you. Previously, I had roommates to say, oh, that's why the trash wasn't taken out. I beg your pardon. <laughs> All right, Mike, what's the good, bad, and ugly of graduating college? The good is obviously I graduated from college. I have the very expensive paper that says I know things now. The bad is it was pretty expensive. Uh, <laughs> and the ugly is definitely the directionless existential dread that comes in the summer following graduation, where you are suddenly tasked with making a life and don't know the first thing about doing that. Andrew, what's the good, the bad, and the ugly of graduating from college? Um, the good is my mind has been expanded. I am so excited to explore the world and apply different mm. lenses and mm. tools uh, and just live a, live a thoughtful and contemplative life. The bad is no one's as thrilled about that as I am. <laughs> and the bad is... <laughs> The, the ugly is um, all the applications that say four years of experience and a graduate degree for all of the entry-level positions I want to apply for. Uh, yeah. Andrew, what's the good, bad, and ugly of being well-informed on today's news? 
the good is I feel civically engaged. I feel a sense of ownership over my country. The bad, I feel a sense of ownership over my country, which can be rough right now. Uh, oh, boy. And the ugly is Andrew getting ugly at a otherwise pleasant dinner table conversation because he couldn't resist bringing up politics. Micah, what's the good, bad, and ugly of being well-informed on the news? The good is I, I am performing my civic duty of engaging with this country that I live in, uh, and, and I am well-equipped to uh, address issues that I feel need to be talked about uh, and, and take on things that I feel need to be changed in our society. The bad is being equipped to do those things also means I have a responsibility to do them, and sometimes... That is really hard and really emotionally draining. And then the ugly is sometimes uh, someone that I love very deeply says something that I vehemently disagree with and could mount a lengthy five-point argument against and really shouldn't. <laughs> we're, we're liberal. I, I lean left. And I have fallen over. So what's the uh, what's the good, bad, and ugly of being liberal on Facebook? Uh, the good is you can find a lot of really inspiring content um, of you know th- things that I see as victories. Um, of, uh, you know, there's a, a strong effort of people focusing on like, yes, sometimes things are terrible, but they're not terrible all the time. So here are some really good things that are happening in the world. Let's celebrate those. The bad is that sometimes it's good and sometimes it's terrible. And, uh, there's a lot of, of, terrible stuff that I also feel a responsibility to to know and to address. And then the ugly is when the comments section just devolves into a collection of of poorly researched five-paragraph essays uh, on why everyone else here is wrong. Andrew, good, bad, and ugly of being liberal on Facebook these days. (laughs) Um, The good is when things like... uh Justice Kennedy retiring, um, I get to feel solace and all of the other overreactions and uh, tears of sadness and lament on Facebook and feel a sense of kinship and community. Um, The bad is, while I do have uh, a number of conservative friends and people I still follow on Facebook, um, in general, this really only reinforces those previous things, I believe, um, and the ugly, uh, um, the ugly is the existential and, and universal theme of us talking past each other, and for all of the uh, connectiveness and agreement I can find on Facebook with those I agree with, um, it ultimately isn't changing the conversation and only brings me uh, a sense of emotional solace without addressing the underlying issues. So, yeah, there's that. All right. That uh, that was a little dark. Hey, Mark, cue the transition music. (laughs) Every podcast 
needs some sponsors. And since we're the one podcast Squarespace hasn't sponsored yet, this episode was sponsored by... Explaining generational change. It's complicated? This episode was also sponsored by the word existential, because if the two of us can make a conversation go in a conceptual direction about humanity, we will. Well, thank you for listening to us while researching the going price for pet koalas, going over your jazzercise routine, or whatever more meaningful tasks you combine with this podcast. We would love suggestions for poem titles, questions, and our advice segments. Please send your suggestions to our team at thelaunchsequencepodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook or hit us up on Twitter at launchseekpod. That's launch, S-E-Q, pod. If you're enjoying the podcast, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcast and Stitcher. It's great because you get to tell us what you like and it helps us reach new listeners. As always, sound design and editing for the launch sequence was done by the amazing Mark Carlson, and our logo was designed by Izzy Mana. Until next time, I'm Andrew Olson. And I'm Micah Anthony, and this has been The The Launch launch sequence. Sequence.